Okay. Oh, yep, we're on now. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Deborah Wilson, and my husband and I have been members of the church here since we've been coming uh, over six and a half years. So this is our church family. And it is my honor and privilege to be able to share the message with you today. Well, Jeff is enjoying his vacation. So we're going to carry on with, we're continuing on in Mark, Mark 11, 27 to 33. And if you have the handout, then the scripture verse is there that I'm going to read, which is this one here. It might be a little bit small on the screen, but hopefully you have the handout as well. So Mark 11, 27 to 33. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The beginning of this passage tells us that they arrived again in Jerusalem. Jesus had already entered Jerusalem on a colt, with many people shouting praises over him. This was the triumphal entry. But since it was late, he and his twelve disciples went to Bethany. This was about two or so kilometers outside of Jerusalem. The next time he entered the city, it was to turn the tables in the temple area. Then he left the city again for another night. The third time he entered Jerusalem was when the religious leaders confronted Jesus. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you authority to do this? We see the number three occurring. It is symbolic for completeness. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are Godhead three in one. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three patriarchs, the beginnings of Israel, God's nation. The contents of the ark, manna, Aaron's staff, and the stone tablets, three different items. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, complete. It is also used in the Bible simply as a number, three sons, three days, three months, three years, but it is used so many times, 467 times in fact, that it has been noted that it may also indicate something special is to follow. Jesus told the Jews, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days, from John 2. From Matthew 16 2, Jesus explained to his disciples that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. With this, Jesus was declaring his destiny to his disciples, but they did not understand. Not yet. It was still a hidden reality. This was Jesus' third foray in as many days into Jerusalem. This was his final time in the city before the Passover and his betrayal. Significant, complete, and a shadowing of more to come. Indeed. 
After this particular confrontation with the religious leaders, he told a parable against them. This is in the next chapter of Mark 12, about the tenants in the vineyard. Then was again questioned, first by some of the Pharisees and Herodians, again in Mark 12, verse 13, then the Sadducees in verse 18, then by teacher of the law in verse 28. These people did not want to let Jesus go free. They kept trying to trap him with their questions. They really didn't want him around. Back to their first questions. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Let me share a story before coming back to these questions. Once upon a time, there was a young woman whose life was well all under control. She kept her children fed, clean, and raised to be good people. She kept the home in order as well as the farm. The house was always clean. The laundry was always done. There was always fresh baking. She even made their own butter and cheese. She canned hundreds of jars of food every year. She milked the cow twice a day, fed all the animals, cleaned the barn, and filled the freezer with home-butchered meat. She was involved in her community. She had friends. And then one day, it all began to fall apart in a big way. This young woman had her whole life under control until she didn't. And when that happened, there was a time of despair, until a man reached out to her and showed her a new way to live. That woman was me, and that man was Jesus. I was no different than those religious leaders of Jesus' time. Life was under their authority, or at least they believed it was. I thought mine was too. But then a new order of things came to town and upset the apple cart. Jesus entered the scene and created a shift in the life of the Jews who believed. He entered my life and created a shift in mine as well. Both the religious leaders then and me, 30 years ago now, were challenged by Jesus. We were all challenged in our beliefs. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law felt incredibly threatened by this young man who was influencing many people to live differently. I was an atheist who was now confronted by a new paradigm, one where I was not in charge at all. Pretty scary. Craig Keener, a Christian writer, says this, as the official guardians of the law, the members of the Sanhedrin had both the right and the responsibility to investigate anyone who claimed to be sent by God, and that included Jesus. However, these men did not have open minds or sincere motives. They were not seeking truth. They were looking for evidence to use to destroy him. I, too, questioned this Jesus by going to a local church and asking a lot of questions. By his grace, I eventually accepted Jesus as my Savior. I was happy to not be in control any longer. That had required so much constant effort, and it had not worked out well at all. The Jewish leaders did not turn to Jesus. Their power came from their position of man's authority, backed by their perceived high position as guardians of the law. Back in Jerusalem, Jesus countered the questions about his authority with a question of his own. Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. 
This was a common debate practice, countering a question with a question. And then from Warren Wiersbe, a Christian pastor and writer, why take them all the way back to John the Baptist? For a very good reason. God does not teach us new truth if we have rejected the truth he has already revealed. This basic principle is expressed in John 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And from another biblical scholar, Richard France, perhaps Mark wants us to believe that they recognized that the counter-question was not an irrelevant change of subject, but that the correct answer to his question would by itself provide, or at least suggest, the answer to theirs. And their refusal to answer his question would signal their unwillingness to accept his implied answer to theirs. The Jewish leaders proceeded to discuss how they would answer this. They had no intentions of dealing honestly with Jesus. That was not their mission. So they knew they could not answer from heaven, which in Jewish terms was synonymous with God. Since then, they would have to admit that they believed that both John the Baptist and Jesus were indeed sent from God. That would not do. Neither could they say from man, as that would be counter to the beliefs of the crowds and could jeopardize their position in society. That would not do either. They were in a jam, so they finally replied with, we don't know. How weak, foolish, and hypocritical of them. They still thought they could trap Jesus with this response. But Jesus knew exactly what their motives were. Since they answered this way, Jesus was no longer required to continue the proper debate format. His reply to told them very clearly that he knew exactly what they were up to. Neither will I tell you. Meaning, you won't answer me, so I won't answer you either. This discussion is over. And yet, Jesus' reply to those leaders did indeed answer their question. Since he did not accept their authority, there was only one plausible answer, one they would never accept. Why was this such a difficult situation for them? And today, why is this such a difficult situation for so many people? Pastor Jeff recently wrote a column in the local paper on June 30th about having two pockets, dust in one representing our sinfulness and gold in the other representing Christ, who loves and redeems us. He stated that only Christianity gives us both pockets. His column generated a response from a reader who stated, I think other spiritual paths encompass essentially the same understanding. This reader further commented that other traditions, he did not use the word religions, were also right. This is another very current belief, that there is not just one truth, but many, and whichever one makes you happy is the right one. I see this as a pretty typical response to Christianity. The declaration that there can be only one truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ, has a known appeal to many in our current society, where your truth and my truth can both be truth, whether they agree or not, or even if they contradict each other. In our very me-first society, putting Jesus first is a blatant affront to others' rights, at least in their minds. And, by the way, um, our very own Justin sent in a response to the reader who had responded to Jeff, and it was a lovely response, um, given from a very loving Christian viewpoint. That was in the July 12th edition of our local paper, if you want to check it out. 
I would suggest that there are at least a couple of reasons why people do not accept Jesus as Lord. One is the illusion of power and control. We all get comfortable in our space, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. We think we have control over lives and maybe over others' lives as well. This was true for the leaders in Jesus' time, just as it is for us today. The Jewish leaders were very comfortable in their positions of power. Why would they want to change that? Their worldly power gave them status and control over the people. Jesus told the crowds, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for men to see. They love the place of honor at banquets. From Matthew 23. Another reason is fear. Fear of the unknown. What's next? If I change my beliefs, what on earth is going to happen? Will I lose control? Will life get really bad? Will I suffer? Yikes. This is scary. So let's not change anything. Maintain the status quo, even if it isn't all that great. At least it's what I know. And so many people refuse to accept Jesus based on the fallacy that they currently have power and control of their lives and fear to do something different. I was very fortunate. Although to look at my circumstances at the time, you would likely have said, oh my, that poor woman, look what she's going through. But let me tell you, having my life torn apart was the best thing that ever happened to me. I lost control. Control I, control I didn't really have in the first place. And once I hit empty, Jesus was there waiting for me. He gave me strength, hope, love, peace, and joy like I had never had before. Yes, I had to go through the pain, but wow, the trip was worth it. Back to the Jewish leaders and their toying with Jesus. So why would Jesus not just answer them outright? That he was the son of God. Why did he continue to not declare this openly? What was the plan? According to Richard France, Jesus' open declaration of his messiahship will be reserved for the climatic moment of Mark 14, verse 62, in a far more formal setting than this encounter in the court of the Gentiles. In the meantime, Jesus himself has issued his declaration only by means of symbolic actions, which, however obvious their intention, fall short of an open verbal claim. In the dialogues which follow, there will still be an element of concealment. It simply was not the time or place for Jesus to openly declare himself. This passage of scripture is the beginning of the end. We know what happens after this, and so did Jesus. He gave every opportunity for the religious leaders and lay people alike to believe and follow him. Many chose him, and many did not. The biblical Jewish leaders are all long gone, but Jesus lives on in those who call him Savior. I accepted Jesus almost 30 years ago and have not looked back. I probably could have survived the troubled times I lived through back then, but would likely have ended up even more controlling and unhappy than ever. I know others who have survived life ordeals, and without Christ have become bitter, more controlling, unhappy, and struggle in their daily lives. As a follower of Jesus, I do not live a perfect life. I am still very human. But I do not live my life alone, and I know I am not in charge. 
that is so freeing, the weight of the world is not on my shoulders. And that gives me great peace. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, I will give you rest. I do not have to wake each morning expecting to fight another day or fearful of what a new day will bring. I thank God for each new day that he gives me. And whether life is up or down, because you never know, I never question the Lord's grace, compassion, and love for me. And he has never let me down. Never. If you don't have this rest in your life, I highly recommend asking Jesus to be the authority in your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he loves you beyond measure. Join me while I pray. Lord, we come humbly before you today, seeking more of you and less of ourselves. For you are our completeness, bringing us peace, comfort, and rest. Help us to always remember how much you love each one of us. Amen.